Well, we've been talking about living the abundant Christian life. Certainly Christ came to provide for us eternal life, but there is life on this earth. And I believe that he's talking about that when he refers to the abundant life in John 10.10. The thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We said it would be super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. Now, any person that's living this abundant life, it presents a difficult case for the devil because he comes to steal your joy, to kill you as a sacrifice to his way of life. He doesn't want you just to die of old age or something. He wants you to die of a drug overdose or something like that. And he wants to destroy, or the meaning of the word ruin, your life as did that of the prodigal son. So if you want to thwart the devil in his intentions and live this abundant life, which is a good thing, then we said you got to get to know the author of the life. And you got to get to know him intimately. And we talked about the fact that one of the good ways to do that would be to know him through his names in Scripture. And we looked, he has many names, but we looked at eight of his personal names, Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, Jehovah-Rophe, the Lord who heals, and so on. And then we covered next four safeguards of the abundant life. First, love that's demonstrated by obeying Christ's commands. Not just some emotion that we have, but something that we do. Service as unto the Lord and not for the eye service of men. Thanksgiving in everything, because we're told to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we can do that because we know absolutely God is in control of all the circumstances, all the people, and all the things that come in our lives. And He's working a plan for our good and for His glory. And all these difficult things that may come along, whatever it may be, Count it all joy whenever you face problems of many kinds. You know that you're going to grow mature and complete through that. And then, the last safeguard, true forgiveness. That forgives all offenses in trusting ourselves to Him who judges righteously. And one day the judge will judge. He may not judge on Sunday afternoon, but He will judge. But we can release that person from the pain caused by the consequences of their sin and release them from payment for that pain, however we might invoke the payment. Then we considered what to do when things go wrong in life because a lot of times things do go wrong. And we saw young Charles Spurgeon, age 22, preaching to a crowd of 10,000 people in the big auditorium there in London, the Surrey Music Hall. And just before he gave the prayer to begin to give his message, somebody shouted, fire, fire! And pandemonium broke out and seven people were trampled to death in the ensuing mob action. A number of others were injured and Charles Spurgeon was devastated. You can imagine a young man how he would feel. And he just went to a side room and collapsed on the floor. But he wasn't finished. For the next two weeks, he never thought he could get up there again, but he sought the Lord. And the Lord gave him comfort through a verse that we looked at. 
And two weeks later, he was back in the pulpit preaching the Word of God. The passage was 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Very important. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may comfort those who are experiencing any affliction. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundance through is abundant through Christ. We talked about the fact that when things go wrong, God has a purpose in what's happening. He's purifying the ore in the refiner's fire so that we can get rid of the dross and out comes the pure metal ready to be used for His kingdom's purposes. He knows just how high to turn up the furnace. Then we discussed the fact that the way you see things will determine how you live your life. And we talked about some men who saw things through the eyes of faith and some women too. Men like Joshua and Caleb who had the faith to believe that the God of Israel could defeat all the Canaanites put together, their gods, their armies, and the whole bunch. And, of course, they lived that way. God wants us to live that way, too. The devil says you get much less if you're committed to God. God says you get much more if you're committed to me. And we looked at a dozen verses that tell us something about the much more that we're going to get. Much more food, clothing, meeting daily needs, grace, salvation, service to the Lord. God provided much more in many things that He wants us to enjoy as part of this abundant life. But the devil says, it's not so. If you make that commitment, life is going to be hard. But God says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, as it is written from the Old Testament, Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things which God had prepared for those who love Him. But it depends on how you see things. And we talked about the fact that during the war, World War II, uh, the War Department in London saw the great ship, the Queen Mary, not as a luxury liner, but as a troop transport. And they commandeered that ship and hauled thousands of men all over the Atlantic, the Mediterranean, in the war effort. So we said at that time, we need to open our eyes and see that we're in a war, a spiritual war for the souls of men. But the the promises for the abundant life are still good, even in the midst of wartime. God has all resources. He can provide all we need. Then we talked about the business of examining ourselves according to the test given in 2 Corinthians 13:5, where Paul tells us to examine ourselves and see if we're in the faith. And if we pass the test, uh, then we know we're in the faith. And we gave out some um, questions prompting self-examination. There's still some in the cabinet there if you would like to check out some of those. The purpose of this, as in all areas of life, is so that we might have some accountability and so that we might defend ourselves against the prevalent problem of self-deception. We don't want to be deceived. We certainly don't want to come down to the end of our lives and be like those people in Matthew 7. Christ said, oh, I'm sorry, I never knew you. You were not on the team. Then we tackled the content of thanksgiving, which is contentment. No one could live the abundant Christian life without a heart 
overflowing with gratitude and thanksgiving. A grateful heart is a content heart. Then we came to the missing ingredients in the abundant life for many people, for many Christians, many people in church. And that would be investing an unhurried segment of time with the Lord in prayer, in meditation, thinking through life, thinking through things, thinking through His Word. And we said that the reason we wanted to do that was that would be following Christ's example as He lived His life here on earth in the same power that's available to us, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we saw in His life at every season when something new was coming in, He would be out somewhere in a lonely place, undistracted, praying to the Lord, thinking through things, meditating on God's Word, preparation for a new season of life when He went into the wilderness, establishing right priorities, a time of decision-making the night before He chose the twelve disciples, time of intense ministry, feeding the 5,000, time of stress and exhaustion, and then finally the usual as He went out to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the crucifixion, as was his custom, the Scripture says. They knew where to find him because they knew where he would be and what he would be doing. Finally, we considered some of the rich promises that God gives to those who are cheerful givers. John Bunyan summed it up with a verse. There was a man, some called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. And certainly God keeps on giving and then we give and then God keeps on giving so that we can give more, so that we can meet the needs of others, so that we can be a channel of God's blessing to other people. Then as God gives and we give and God gives and we give, one day we wake up and we see that the abundant Christian life is not just a Cinderella story effervescing into some ethereal delusion on the night of the grand ball. It is, in fact, a growing devotion to Christ forged in the continual struggle of this spiritual warfare, combat against a formidable enemy. It's a furnace in which is forged that steel that's going to come forth to be the kind of material that God can use for His kingdom. In fact, in the Scripture there, it refers to it as gold. The victory is already won. And our victory is our union with Christ. So when we have stirred all of these ingredients that we've mentioned into our lives with a general sprinkling of grace, we realize this is the abundant life. And victory means that we have got to fight the fight and run the race and finish the course and do all those things that soldiers and athletes do to win the victory, to participate in the victory, really, that's already won. Praise the holy name of God, for He is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endures to all generations. Can I get a witness? Have you seen the Lord work perhaps in your life this summer? Yes, I saw that hand back there, Mark Brzezlowski. Very good. Let me give you a, um, a microphone. Christopher's got one coming right here. You can come up here. That's good. We'll take um, a few minutes here to give you a taste of the flavor of what God's doing and see if we can get around to as many people as we can. Summer is great.
time for our family to uh, do Bible school. And so the Lord had really been uh, laying on our hearts for several years that we ought to uh, try to do a Bible school there in our neighborhood, have a backyard Bible club or something like that. And so um, things you know, lined up with our schedules and some of our uh, rest of our family and friends. And so we asked if we could do a Bible school at the Turtle Creek Community Church there in our neighborhood. And so they were happy to do that. And and so we started on that plan. And um, I think maybe like any project that starts off kind of like a project, um, you know, you do all the logistical things, all the things that you do to set things up and put things in motion. And then maybe at a certain point, it hits you that um, this is really overwhelming. You know, this is, <laughs> we're, we're spending a lot of time and money and our lives, you know, investing in it. So God or maybe I just um, was asking God, is this what you want me to do? I mean, everything, like an everything, pour everything into this? Um, so I was praying one morning, because I saw we were kind of at a juncture, you know. It's one of those times where you can see, okay, um, we can do it sort of, you know, and, and we can get it done. We can fulfill our commitment and do it this way, and this much time, and this much effort, or we can kind of choose the middle road, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go pretty strong, but not full out, or, or we'll just jump in it and do it full out, we'll just give it all we got. So I was praying to the Lord, and he brought to my mind a scripture, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, and so I looked that up. And, and one of the interesting things is we had chosen a theme for this Bible school, the, the I Am sayings of Jesus. So he said, I am the good shepherd, and I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, etc. There, there are quite a few of those, and so there's one every night. And, um, and, and I thought, well, you know, the thing that would really make this complete is if we also present the message of God saying out of the burning bush, I am that I am. Because that's what Jesus was saying, right? With all these I am statements, he was saying, I am God. I'm God. And that's the reason they wanted to kill him, because he was saying, I'm God. So, so the theme of the week was I am. And so God led me to this scripture in Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And that really made me feel good inside that God would share that scripture with me. And as I was contemplating that, I went back up one verse. Because, you know, sometimes God speaks to you the most through the verse you weren't thinking about. <laughs> You know what the two words are before how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news? I am. <laughs> I am. And that was our theme. 
And it had already been chosen, and I didn't even think of it. I think Esther or Lydia or somebody, Mama, I don't know. Somebody came up with that idea. We had some materials for it. And um, and I thought, wow, so it's not me. <laughs> it's not about me bringing good news. That's not what God wants to show me. He wants to show me that it's about him. So what is there that I wouldn't give <laughs> to bring the message of good news so that his name would be proclaimed, so that people who didn't know his name would know his name. I thought, wow, this is about God's name. I am. You know, I, I was doing it like a Sunday school lesson in my heart. You know, I was preparing a project, a message. And one of the prayers that we had in our family time that week was, God, help us to see these people as needing God and not just a project. That spoke to my heart, too. God wanted us, I think, to, to worship Him, to worship Him in what we did, and that He would get the glory, and, and the people would see His glory and not us. And, and one of the things that happened in that week, of course, when you, when you purpose in your heart, to bring glory to God and to preach the good news to people who've never heard it or have heard about a fake God. You know, they, they've got something in their mind about who God is and it's not real, it's not true. So you're breaking through barriers and spiritual warfare is happening. So what happened to us? We started to fall apart at the seams. Starting here. I got so mad one morning I couldn't see straight but just because of my own sin. And I let it, you know, let it be known. I'm irritated at everybody. And so it was like a stall, you know, a stall in our... Which way are you going to go? Are you going to crash and burn? Or is God's word really true? Is it really going to go forth? How am I going to overcome my own heart to get to where God wants us to be? And there were some really loving, fierce uh, interactions <laughs> that were going on. And we prayed. And, and we had to reassure ourselves with God's word, not just our own you know, thinking, but, okay, We've been wounded. We've been hurt. We need, to, we need to realize two things. One thing is, okay, it's my fault, but also we need to pick ourselves up, even though we've been hurt, because we need to go forward. We need to take the word to the people. So sometimes, you know, we've got to suck it up, even when we're hurting, right? <clears throat> and God, I think, worked through that, and he brought us together. And it was glorious. I think that I've never heard the gospel preached more clearly. You know, and, and th we had the stories, you know, that the Child Evangelism Fellowship had given to us, and yet there was something more than that. <laughs> and these girls who were bringing these Bible stories, you know, were just sharing the love of Jesus from their hearts. And one of the stories was, I am the good shepherd. And, and it was the story of how God leaves the, the 99 sheep to go and 
seek after the lost. And I really think that's what we were actually experiencing in our lives. And, and there was a girl, one little girl, who came to the Lord. And I thought, and, and I'd prepared my family for this because, you know, sometimes we work and work and work and work, right? And, and we, we do everything we can, and, and what if people don't come? <laughs> I think that's where I was on the morning that I asked God, do you really want me to do this, God? <laughs> because I had this feeling, you know, okay, we've, we've sent postcards to 1,200 people. We've, we've knocked on people's doors. We've, we've begged them. And he was just giving me scripture after scripture in my heart. Therefore, go out in the highways and compel them to come in. And we were doing that. And I still thought, God, is it going to be worth it if nobody comes? And he assured me in my heart, Yes. If no one comes to the meeting, preach to yourselves. If no one can, you know, preach to those people in that little church who need to hear a fresh word from God. If people come, if it's one person, praise the Lord. It'll be His provision and His doing. It's about God, about His glory and His name. And it was a wonderful thing in our hearts. And I think really in my soul, my soul's been revived. And, and God is leading me in fresh things every day now. And it's a great place to be. I think it was um, a wonderful experience for us and is going to keep on living, you know. Our girls now have a ministry to girls who don't even live in our community. You know, isn't it amazing how God does everything in his time, in his purpose, in his way, and puts all these strange little circumstances together to bring his own to him? I mean, how, how amazing is it that, that God led us to do this thing and nearly crushed us under it and brought us through it? And how amazing is it that, um, that a lady was at the mini-mart one day and her neighbor who was in her little group came and said, hey, how about you bring, come to this thing and bring your grandkids? And how amazing is it those grandkids happened to be visiting that week from somewhere way up in the panhandle? And how amazing is it that, that the gospel was preached at this little meeting? And how amazing is it that one of these granddaughters who had never really known much at all about the Bible and God heard the word and said, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I'm a sinner. And she's in tears because she realizes God came to save her. It's just amazing how God works. We did it for our little neighborhood. And somebody came from clear across the state to hear this word. <sighs> amazing. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? And while you're deciding, we want to rejoice that Penny is back with us today. Yes, right here. I see Beecher. Yes, Beecher representing the four approaches. Oh, Dad, approach representing the four approaches. But the link between Mark and I's story is faith. Mine's way more self-centered. Mark's it's like preaching the gospel. Mine's about me. And uh, this takes two minutes. But in November, this guy called and he said, I got a deal for you. 
we're going to refinance your house. We're going to give you a lower interest rate. I'm going to give you some cash back. You're going to be able to take the trip with your son. You're going to be able to pay your property taxes. You're going to have some extra money in the bank to work on your house. And it's not going to cost you a penny. Now. It'll be later. And yeah, I just went, oh. Well, maybe. And I remember right where I was driving to work one day, and I called Janet, and I said, we're not going to do it because we're not supposed to do it. And I don't know how we're going to go on a trip, and I don't know how we're going to pay the taxes, and I don't know how we're going to survive, but we're not going to do it because I don't think that's God's best plan for us. So we didn't do it. And the phone rang, and it was a customer that I had 11 years ago. And then the phone rang, and it was a customer I had 17 years ago. And then the phone rang, and then the phone rang, and the phone rang, and the phone rang, and the phone rang, and the phone rang. And it was as though the faucet opened. And, and you know what? It's not about the money, but it's about the fact that if we're faithful, if we believe God is who he says he is, why are we worried? Sorry, why am I worried? And it's just been amazing. It's beat me to a pulp. But you know what? It's just amazing when you can go to work not worried and not begrudging the, the pressure, but realizing this is all from the Lord. It just refocuses your attention. And if you're a slave to the money, how can you be focused on being a slave to Christ? And, and this doesn't even have, this is that much compared to what Beecher's going to talk about. But it is amazing that, that, you know, when Mark's doing that stall, I know about that stall. We all do. And, and you know what? It's pretty amazing to just feel that comfortable place within the folds of the of, of, of our Christ, and and to just let Him worry for us. So, next. Yeah, timing you. So you know, a lot of y'all know that we decided early this year because we met a family called the Joes, and they tour all around. They're a family band. So we were like, well, you know, if they and they have a ton of kids, we only have four band members. So we're like, if they can tour all around. We can definitely do this. So that was like, so we started, we, it, that was in March, mid-March. And so we're like, really, how hard can this be? Psh, come on. So we, we um, started contacting some people or something like that. I think that's what we started with. And um, it was kind of like, actually, since then, it's kind of been like when you take a bite that's kind of like has you going like, mm, this was kind of big. It, this is like basically take the whole burger and like <clears throat> stuff it in your mouth and you're like, so, yeah, so it was a little big, like the Przlovskis. Um, And so it has been a really adventurous summer and a lot of fun. So we've been playing a ton of places. And, um, but one cool event that Mr. Welch wanted me to talk about was a couple, three weeks ago, we kicked off the tour officially in Houston, and we um, played at this Methodist church. So we played, they have four services, so we played in a song in each service, and one of the services we did completely. So, so at, and the pastor had called, and, and make sure to interject if I'm missing anything. Um, the pastor had called and said, 
um, you know, at this service that y'all are going to play, it was like their acoustic music service or something. Um, there's usually like, it, there could be 50 people or there could be 70 people, you know, it's not like a huge service. So just so you know. So we're like, okay, well, that's fine, whatever. So we played the couple, first few services we played were a couple hundred people. And then at the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, thank you. Um, and the way that we had played at this service was really cool. God had orchestrated it so that one of the church members from this church in Houston was at a camp where we played in March, in April. So the week before we had gotten there, we found out the morning that we got to the church, the day before they had just had a funeral for a three-year-old who, I won't go into any like grisly details, um, who had found a gun in his grandfather's table, bedside table. So it was the, I mean, the pastor said it was like the hardest funeral he'd done or the congregation. They didn't know if anybody would be there because everybody, like it was the hardest week they'd ever gone through. So we got there and played the first couple services and a lot of people showed up. And then at the serv- at the middle, the service that was totally us, like I think 350 people showed up or something like that, like a pretty cool number. And it was really neat just to see God like using the music to minister to people um, and, and, you know, sort of awkward, like playing on stage. Don't y'all can cry if we play music, but it just kind of feels awkward. Like when you're playing and you look out in the audience and people are like, ah, you know, but it was really cool to, to see how God uses music in any situation in that situation. Um, and then just like blessed us above and beyond what we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And so after the, I think this is the real part Mr. Welch wants me to tell about, I don't know, but after the, after the church, it's just, this is a great picture, amazing picture of generosity. But after the service, after church, we played a barbecue that the church had. So we were like, they were like, oh my word, we can't play anymore. I think we played like four, four performances or something. And um, so the pastor said, well, I want y'all to come to my house and see my guitar collection because he collects guitars. And so we went to his house and Ezra's like drooling over all the guitars in his cases. I think he has 15 or 16 now, but he's telling Ezra all these you know, he had 35, 10 years ago. But he, anyway, so Ezra played a few. And then we, we were there like 45 minutes. And right before we left, um, the guy said, um, play these two. It was two cool special types of guitars, custom-made guitars. And then you can take whichever one you like best. And so Ezra's like, you know, uh, and like standing there for 20 minutes trying to decide, oh, man, what do I take? Like, And we're, you know, like putting him on the clock. Come on, two minutes. That's why I'm so good at timing dad, because we had to time Ezra. So, but anyway, so we got to bring home this amazing, super expensive custom-made guitar that the pastor just gave us. And it was such a cool cool thing to see that um, two things. I wrote them down, because I figured I might forget them. But one, what? Oh, yeah, and then Asa got, he gave Asa a Stratocaster. Stratocaster? Telecaster, which is like an electric guitar. Um, so we're getting guitars right and left. Um, but when we're faithful to do what God's called us to do, so music for us, or maybe it's writing for y'all, or maybe it's doing local Bible studies in your community, God's going to always do more than we can ask, think, or imagine when we put our gifts to use for him. And then also um, just the fact that we can, no matter what we have, if we have money or if we have um, you know, a house, something, we can, be, we can bless other people with what we have. So it was a really, really cool thing to see how God used that pastor in our life 
to to show us like wow you know we how can we use what we've been blessed with to encourage others so i hope that encourages you guys see they're given it shall be given unto you sheila would you like to be here there yes mark I was in Germany when the Supreme Court made the decision, the, the, the one, the big one, and two things struck me. The first one was repentance because I've not been faithful with the gospel of Christ. And there are a lot of lost, confused people who have no idea where to go from here. And, and I was ashamed, and I repented. But the second was thanksgiving for all that I had been given. Um, thanksgiving for my family, because they expose a lot of sin <laughs> in me and, and help bring me to repentance a lot. You know, I read this morning in, in Numbers the story of the sons of Korah, and it said that they rebelled. And, and I got tickled, actually, because I, I just did this. it said, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey? Those people were enslaved. <laughs> and it's like they didn't even remember that, that it wasn't flowing with milk and honey. It was flowing with blood, sweat, blood, sweat and tears. But they, didn't, but they were complaining to Moses. But the thing that struck me is it says Moses and Aaron, when they rebelled, fell on their faces before the Lord. When my children rebel, I don't fall on my face before the Lord first. (laughs) How dare you disobey me is my response. And my heart was broken to realize that is mostly my response. Not falling on my face before God and repenting first and then crying out for them, knowing that when they rebel, it's going to hurt them. Lord, help them turn before they're destroyed. I should have taken a cue from Mark and brought some tissue up here. Um, but, and I'm thankful for my family, too, because they're some of my biggest cheerleaders. We had um, some, a, a guy come from a cult to our door, and I, was, I had read this book about the gospel, so I had it down. And so as he was telling me his little spiel, I was able to tell him the gospel. And my little guy was standing there like, yeah, yeah. And after he left, he was bouncing around the house going, and mom, told my gospel, she hit him. She reformed and she hit him again. <laughs> Thank you. And it was just so sweet and so encouraging that that was his heart to share the gospel of Christ. I was thankful for my husband and his wisdom. You know, for a lot of years, I'd say, I'm going to go get a job. And he'd go, oh, no, you have a job. I need a job. Have a job. <laughs> well, <laughs> just this spring, 
um, I did. My, my boys and I took a job cleaning houses. Now, anybody that's been to my house knows I don't like to clean houses. <laughs> so why would I do this? He was like, sure, honey. <laughs> and so my boys and I go every Friday, and we don't clean to do that as we were heading out. Now, we've been doing this since the middle of the spring. And for the first time, I said, you know what, Lord? You know I don't like doing this. And the boys hate it. But things are a whole lot harder when your attitude's bad. So if you could just, I know you can't like clean the houses to send a genie, but could you just fix my attitude before I go? And he did. It was the, and the thing was, it took us a lot longer because we didn't have Katie. We started a lot late. So usually we go in around 7 and we're done by 1. This time we went in at 8, we're done by 4. <laughs> but I had such peace and even joy in working with my boys. And as we were in the traffic jam headed home even, because I was going to come home and take a nap and have a stuff to do. There was no time for that. By the time we got in the car, it was time to head to the airport to pick up Daddy. And But, but there was a sweetness that God, only God could do. And I don't know if you guys have like attitude issues, <laughs> but I'm telling you, God's word, God's word is just amazing. And that brings me to another thing with the kids. One day, one of them was walking through the house with an ice cream cone. And, man, they were looking at that thing and just enjoying it. And, you know, I thought, oh, to enjoy God's word like that. To enjoy the present, to delight in God's word like he was delighting the ice cream cone. And, you know, food that you like, ladies who shop, you, you stock up on that. You, like, put it <laughs> Make sure that you go by that aisle and get all that stuff. And I thought, you know, I can stock up on God's word like that. So I got me a little book. And this is for my stock of verses that just really make my heart delight in the Lord. So, same for my family. Um, and I'm thankful for what God's done in me. He's helping me overcome my laziness. Because when I went to visit Aaron and Bradley, I was there to work. That, that was my whole purpose in being there. And it was a joy to serve them. And God put such a love in my heart for my son-in-law. I didn't know him very well. And I can remember at one point praying, Lord, I just, I just, it just felt like this big thing now attached to my daughter. <laughs> but when I was there serving him, and them, God just blessed my heart with such a love. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for the faithful teaching of God's word. You know, I seldom leave church without something to apply, or several things to apply. Or sometimes as I'm coming to church with an attitude or just a question in my mind, I sit down 
and the pastors start teaching, and all of a sudden it's clear. That's it. Okay, now the girl <laughs> I'm faithful, thankful for our church, for the faithful teaching of God's word, and for the faithful saints who will pray for me. They don't just pray. The next Sunday and Sundays after that, they'll ask me, so how did it go? To remind you that God is doing things. Um, I'm th- th- thankful for the faithful saints who edify you with the word of God. Um, I was sitting behind somebody one day, and I noticed I got a new haircut, and it was really cute. And for three Sundays, I meant to say, oh, your hair's so cute. I just love it. And it dawned on me this week that I never got to tell them that because every time I talk to them, it starts with Jesus, and we never get around to the hair because it's about Jesus. Um, I'm thankful for the faithful leaders in our church that you provide encouragement and great resources. You know, they, they teach us, but then they also recommend, and this book, and that book, and things that just help you in the Lord. And the last thing I'm thankful for is crisis and opportunities to see God's magnificence. We have a lot of things going on, houses that need selling, people need healing, different things. All of those things are a blessing from the Lord because then we get to actually see him work and have a story to tell to people. (laughs) Benny, would you like me to hand you this microphone? Okay. Is it on? Yes. I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm rejoicing today to be here. I've been away for nine weeks, and um, I've had a a surgery that required that kind of recovery time. Only, I also had that same surgery a few years ago, and it didn't require that recovery time. But God is faithful, and he is um, bringing me through this. I want to say thank you to all of you for your prayers and your words of encouragement. And um, this is the verse that's in my pantry, my storage pantry. This verse has helped me get through (laughs) physical therapy. Um, I still have some issues that I would ask you all to pray about. Um, I'm still recovering. But through this, I felt like the Lord gave me the scripture, um, Psalms 2612, and I'm going to read it today. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. And when I was away from you all, that's what I dreamed of doing is coming to stand today and say, I bless the Lord. So thank you. Okay, anyone else have a good word for us while we're in the mood here? Well, thank you. We do have a guest with us today, Byron Cap, right back there sitting next to Stephanie. <clears throat> You've probably heard of the man. Now you have the opportunity to meet him in person. Well, the Lord is at work, and we praise Him for what He's doing in our lives. And uh, really, life is made up of a series of things, just like we've heard this morning, where we decide to take a step of faith and trust Him. So that's what we want to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for these testimonies of what You're doing in the lives of folks who trust in You and the lives of the rest of us as well. Uh, Lord, we do want to honor You with the life that we live. And we want to reap the blessings that you have in store for us in this abundant life that you've provided. We know that a blessing is anything that draws us closer to you. 
And sometimes it may not look like a blessing when it arrives, but uh, if it accomplishes the purpose, then it certainly is. We know that the cross turned out to be a blessing on Sunday morning. Thank you for the blessing of your word. We pray we might stay in it, make it a very part of our lives. And Lord, we ask you to bless us as we uh, go into this worship service. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.